Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll invite you to turn to two openings of Scripture, Matthew 16 and, Ma and Matthew chapter 6. I am uh, presently teaching. Those of you that are here with us on Sunday mornings, you know that for the last several weeks we've uh, been teaching a series on keys, the keys of the kingdom. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm just stuck there. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm glad I'm stuck there. But I, I, it's, uh, it's overshadowing everything that I do, everything that I study. I wind up back here on this. And it has a lot to do with healing, so it fits right into healing school. So you'll forgive me if you're, um, uh, if you're a regular on Sunday mornings. I'm going to be covering some of the territory that we've already covered before. But I don't think that will be to your detriment. I believe that will be to your advantage to hear it again. But we need to make sure that we uh, uh, cover the information that others haven't heard. And not everybody is able to be here every time. I know that. So in uh, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked a question of his disciples. Who do men say that I am? And they answer what people are saying. And then Jesus turns it around and says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers and said, uh, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, talking about the, the knowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, I made the statement before, but it bears repetition. Uh, people in those days, in Jesus' day, didn't lock their homes with keys like we do, or didn't, didn't have locks on their homes and, and need keys to unlock them. So when he talks about keys, we think of keys in terms of house keys and car keys and office keys and whatever other keys we have. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Keys were used in his day to denote that you had completed a certain area of study. If you went to what was the, the equivalent of a university or a higher uh, form of learning, some type, then when you mastered that course of study, they'd give you a key. And that key was something that you wore on your belt to show that you had been through a certain course or certain school or whatever and that you had mastered that area of study. So when Jesus says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, he's saying, I'll make you masters over the principles that govern the kingdom of God. And that sounds like a good thing to me. He goes further and says, based on, those, on mastering those principles concerning the kingdom of God or that govern the kingdom of God, he said, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you refuse to allow on earth, the word bind means to refuse to allow or prohibit. Whatever you refuse to allow on earth, heaven will back you up. Whatever you allow, that's what loose means. Loose means to allow. Whatever you allow on earth, heaven will back you up. Please notice that it starts, your experience on the earth starts here. It doesn't say whatever God has determined for you shall be done. Jesus doesn't even say, and I'll take the keys of the kingdom. He says, I'll give them to you. Now, the reason Jesus gave them to us is because he's not here. Wouldn't do him any good to have the keys to the kingdom of God that control and govern things here on the earth while he's in heaven. But he left us here as his agents on the earth. And so he said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. 
not keys to the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom. I'll make you masters of the principles that govern the kingdom of God. Well, now Matthew chapter 6 tells us a little bit about God's intent and Jesus' instruction to the disciples when they came and asked him to, to teach them how to pray. Jesus taught them what we know of, what the church world knows of as the Lord's Prayer. It really wasn't the Lord's Prayer, it was the disciples' prayer. And we'll go so far as to say this, it's not a New Testament prayer. This prayer was for a specific period of time until Jesus went to the cross and accomplished God's plan of redemption on the earth. The reason we know that is because Jesus said in that day, talking about the day of of his resurrection, the day of the church and during the church age, he said, you'll ask me nothing, but whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Well, the Lord's Prayer, the so-called Lord's Prayer, doesn't contain the name of Jesus. So it can't be a New Testament prayer. But it was a prayer for a specific period of time while Jesus was here on the earth in his earthly ministry and then until he finished the work on the cross and was raised from the dead. Now notice in, Mark, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, I'm sure most of you could recite the Lord's Prayer as well as I can. But notice one of the first things Jesus said in verse 10. He said, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. Now notice he's saying to the disciples, he's teaching them, instructing them to pray that the kingdom of God would come. Well, now doesn't that mean that the kingdom of God had not yet come? Wouldn't make sense for him to tell them to pray for something that was already there, would it? So he's telling them to pray for something that will come. He's telling them to pray for something to come that hasn't yet come. And then notice what else he says. He says, in relation to the kingdom of God coming, he said the will of God tells them to pray that the will of God would be done in the earth just like it was done in heaven or just like it is in heaven. Now, if we think about it, you have to realize that that's the way God made the earth. When God made the earth in six days, made the earth in the fullness thereof and put man in the middle of it, He established a system that governed this earth. And he gave man authority over it. He gave man dominion over the system that governed the earth and over the work of his hands. Well, what would we call the system that God created to govern the earth? If not the kingdom of God. We'd have to say that God made the earth the way he wanted it to be, wouldn't we? And it's impossible for God to work contrary to his will. And so the way God made the earth has to be the way that he wanted it to be. Well, how was it made? Was there any sickness or disease before sin entered the scene? No. Was there any unfruitfulness or unproductive part of the earth in any way whatsoever? No. Was there anything that could hurt or harm mankind in any form, shape, or fashion? No. So it was the will of God originally... For the earth to be a place that was only a blessing to man and without harm. For, our, for the sake of our discussion tonight, specifically a place without sickness and disease. The Bible tells us that when sin entered the world through Adam's dis- disobedience to God's command, death passed upon all men. And as a result, sin came in to corrupt God's perfect system. Sickness came in to corrupt corrupt God's plan for divine health 
as a part of the kingdom of God and so forth. The earth began to produce thorns and thistles where before it did not. And so Jesus is saying very specifically to pray, telling his disciples, not us, but telling his disciples to pray that the kingdom of God would come so that the will of God could be done on the earth like it was in the original plan and just like it is in heaven. Now, is that in, in, in any way able to be disputed? I mean, am I reading something into what Jesus said? That has to be true, does it not? When Jesus said to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that has to mean what we just discussed, doesn't it? Is there any other possible option or any other possibility for what it could mean? I can't see one. Can you? It has to mean that. Well, so Jesus is telling them that the kingdom of God is attached to the will of God being done on the earth as it is in heaven. Now, the question is this. When will the will of God be done on the earth like it is in heaven? Well, Jesus has just told us when the kingdom comes. Now, back up to chapter 4 of Matthew Matthew chapter 4 tells us about how Jesus was anointed by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. He went into the wilderness after 40 days of praying, strengthening himself as far as the plan and the purpose of God's call upon his life was concerned. And the devil came and tempted him. And after the temptation was ended, it says that Jesus returned to Capernaum. Moved his family to Capernaum, his mom and and whatever brothers and sisters he was still taking care of. He moved them to Capernaum. And it says in verse 17, Matthew 4 verse 17. From that time, being the beginning of Jesus' ministry. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now what does it mean when it says he preached that the kingdom of heaven is at hand? He's preaching the kingdom of heaven is near. It's close. The kingdom of heaven is closed. Now what I want you to see is this. Just like Jesus taught his disciples to pray that the kingdom would come so that the will of God could be done on the earth as it was in heaven. The kingdom of heaven was a big part of Jesus preaching. Now in most cases, not every case, but in most cases the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are used interchangeably. There are a few instances throughout the New Testament where the kingdom of heaven refers to Jesus coming back in glory with his angels. But none of those scriptures are going to be the ones we're looking at. So when he talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, those are interchangeable terms as far as this discussion is concerned. So Jesus is preaching, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It goes on to tell us about calling Simon, Peter, and Andrew his brother. And notice in verse 23, still in Matthew 4, verse 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel. The word gospel means good news. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What kingdom? He's got to be talking about the same kingdom of God, where the will of God is done on the earth like it is in heaven. He went about all uh, all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. 
Notice healing is attached to the preaching of the kingdom of God. Notice healing is attached to the preaching of the kingdom of God relative to the will of God being done in the earth like it is in heaven. In other words, Jesus is demonstrating that healing is a part of the kingdom of God. That it is God's will for every person to be healed. It's, it's always amazed me how the church world can stand up and say that it's God's will for people to sometimes be sick. Where do you find Jesus ever stopping and even praying, even inquiring of his father? Lord, do you want, Father, do you want me to leave this one sick? Are you trying to teach them something? Why did Jesus never consider it? Consider sickness as a part of the will of God for someone. Because the will of God was never for man to be sick. That's why he made an earth governed by a system in which sickness was not a part. Jesus never had to pray. He never had to inquire of the Lord. He never had to seek God in any form whatsoever to find out if it was God's will for somebody to be well. Because sickness is always of the devil and healing is always God's will. We know because that's the way God made the earth. If God's will was for man to be sick today and his will was for there to be no sickness to harm or influence man in the beginning, then that means his will has changed. And if his will has changed, the Bible's a lie and we don't know what to believe. Jesus understood this. So should we. So it tells us that as far as Jesus was concerned, healing was a part of the kingdom of God and he demonstrated it. It talks about his fame going throughout all the region and all the people that were healed in the next several verses. Turn with me now over to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, I should back up to the last few verses of Matthew 9. Let me start reading in Matthew 9, 35. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. It's got to be the kingdom of God again, the good news of the kingdom of God, that God wants things to be here on the earth like they are in heaven. That's the good news of the kingdom. So he went about all their cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness, or another translation says every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. Notice healing has got to be a part of the kingdom of God because it follows or is the sign that follows the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. Now, Jesus sees that there's too many people for him to get to. So in chapter 10, he sets apart and and, uh, commissions his apostles to go forth. Notice chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power. That word power is literally the word authority. It doesn't say that he made them more powerful than they were before. It just says he gave them authority over the devil. See, what most people are looking for is they're looking for a feeling of power. And they're ignoring the fact that we've been given authority. But notice he gave them authority against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, isn't that what he's just been doing? In other words, he delegated the same authority that he had to them. And it tells us who they were. And then skipping down to verse 5, it says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Don't go into the way of the Gentiles or into any of the city of the Samaritans, but only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 7, And as you go, preach. He gave them what to preach. 
preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, whichever way you want to say it. The kingdom, the system that God originally planned for the earth where the will of God is done here on the earth like it is in heaven. He said, go into whatever city of the Jews you come to and preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. It's not here yet, but it's close. It's soon. And notice verse 8. He says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely you freely give. Notice what he's telling them and telling us, what the Holy Ghost is telling us by keeping a record of what Jesus told them. He's telling us that healing the sick is part of the kingdom of God. It's a part of what God wants to hear on the earth like it is in heaven. Nobody's sick in heaven, is there? Notice he says, cleanse the lepers. Now, leprosy was the killer disease of the day. It was the incurable disease. It would be the cancer or the AIDS or whatever dreaded disease they don't have a cure for today. It would be the equivalent of that. I think it's instructive to us that Jesus said cleanse the lepers because I believe, you judge this for yourself, but I believe he's picking out the one that is the most incurable and the most dreaded of all diseases and saying you've got authority over that. Well, it stands to reason if you've got authority over the, the worst and the meanest disease, so to speak, then you have authority over the lesser ones too. So cleansing the lepers is a part of the kingdom of God, part of the will of God here on the earth. He even says raise the dead. That must be a part of the will of God here on the earth too. Then he says cast out devils. That's got to be a part of the kingdom of God as well. Can you see what Jesus is saying? Now skip with me over to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 tells us about how Jesus commissioned even more people to do the same work. Verse 1, after these things the Lord appointed other 70 also. So he's got 12 going and now he's got 70 more going. He's multiplying himself. Now we think of the 12 as being the ones closest to Jesus. And 70 would be a, a lower tier, so to speak. A lower classification. We don't know who any of these people are. The Bible doesn't give us the names of any of these. So we, in our natural thinking, attach less importance to them. But notice Jesus gave them the same thing he gave the twelve. Even though you don't know any of their names. After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. Therefore he said unto them, The harvest truly is great. But the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. He gives them further instruction about not taking anything with them. Trusting God to, to provide while they're out there doing his work. Notice in verse 8 it says into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you. Notice it depends on the city. The faith of the people that live there and not just the power that he's delegating to them. And into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you. Eat such things that are set before you. Receive their hospitality, in other words. And heal the sick that are therein and say unto them, The kingdom of God is coming nigh unto you. In other words, the kingdom of God is near. He says to the 70, the same thing that he said to the 12, Heal the sick as a part of the kingdom of God and tell them the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. Well, if the kingdom of God is near... And healing was a part of that just because it was close or soon to come. Boy, what do you think it's going to be like when the kingdom of God comes? 
it would stand to reason that the healing work of God would be greater when the kingdom comes than when it's close to coming. At least that's the way it seems to me. Doesn't that make sense? Well, remember what Jesus said in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus came to him. Nicodemus came by night because he was afraid of the other Jews and the Pharisees finding out that he came and finding out that he believed in Jesus. So he said, good master, we know that you come from God because of the miracles that you do. And Jesus said, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus is identifying the miracles and the healings and the works that he's doing as a part of the kingdom of God. Nicodemus has a hard time with that. He's thinking naturally. So he says, how can a person enter into his mother's womb and be born again the second time? And Jesus explains, he said, verily I say unto you, except you be born of water and of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, what's he talking about? He goes on to explain the new birth. Receiving Jesus as the Lord of your life, accepting Jesus as the Christ. So what he's saying is the new birth is the entrance into the kingdom of God where the will of God is done in the earth like it's done in heaven. Are you out there? Are you with me? Can you see it? That's why Jesus was saying to the disciples and to the 70 preach. That's why Jesus preached it himself. Preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of God is near. Because he knew the kingdom of God would come when he was raised from the dead and the work of redemption was finished. That's why we don't need to pray anymore, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Now it would be good for us to pray, Father, since your kingdom has come, your will be done in my life here on the earth even as it is in heaven. Now, folks, I'm, I'm, I had to take a little bit of time to get there because I came tonight with one thought. And I want to share this one thought with you. And I want to ask it in the form of a question. We know, first of all, that there's no sickness or disease in heaven. There's nobody that's ever been or nobody that ever will be sick in heaven, right? Here's the question. I don't, now, I don't expect you to really give an answer because I doubt if any of you have given it any thought. But I have. And so I want to pose the question to you. Why will you not have sickness or be subject to sickness in heaven? How many of you think it's because we'll have a redeemed body? I'm going to ask you for a show of hands on that one. How many of you believe it's because we'll have a redeemed body? Okay, well, I trapped you. It can't be because we have a redeemed body. Because that would presuppose that there was the presence of sickness and disease, but the redeemed body overcomes it. Do you know why there's no susceptibility to sickness and disease in heaven? It's not because... We'll have a redeemed body. It's because of something much more important. Did I leave you in Luke chapter 10? Notice when the 70 come back. Verse 17 it said. The 70 returned again with joy saying. Lord even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. 
And Jesus said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Now, what's he talking about? He's not talking about I saw something happen to Satan when you used my name and went and preached like I told you to and healed the sick. He, if you go back and look at the previous verses in the, earlier in the chapter, he didn't say one word about casting out devils. But they come back, having seen him use his authority to cast out devils, having seen or at least heard about the twelve casting out devils too, they come upon situations where the devil has somebody bound and so they use the name of Jesus and broke the power of the devil in over those cases and over those individuals too. And they come back and they said, Lord, you didn't say anything to us about casting out devils, but we found out that the name even works there. So Jesus says, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. That's talking about when Satan rebelled against God with a third of the angels before the worth, the Genesis account of creation ever took place. So what Jesus is saying is very simply this. I saw Satan lose his place in heaven. The reason that you won't be sick in heaven, the reason that there's no possibility for anybody to be sick in heaven is because Satan, the originator of sin, the originator of sickness and disease and poverty and lack and every other thing that's a characteristic of sin that opened the door to spiritual death, has been cast out or lost his place in heaven. Can you see that? That goes back to Matthew chapter 16 verse 19 where Jesus said, And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. That's not a bad translation, but it's really not completely accurate. What it says is, whatever you bind on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. In other words, he's saying the keys, the kingdom of heaven, enable you to prohibit on the earth in your life what God has already prohibited in heaven, which would include sickness and disease. And you have the ability to loose on earth what God has already loosed in heaven. Well, what's been loosed in heaven? Everything that can bless and everything that can benefit mankind. You have the opportunity, the authority, by becoming a master of the principles that govern the kingdom of God to operate in those binding and loosing principles so that the will of God is done for you in your life here on the earth just like it is in heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now turn with me over to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. I hope this is making sense because I see something here. I see something of great importance. John chapter 12 tells us about the ending of Jesus' days here on the earth. And it says in, uh, well, I want to start in verse 27 just to kind of get the context of what I want to point out. John chapter 12, verse 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Before this cause came I into this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. 
The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said, It thundered. Others said, An angel spoke to him. But Jesus answered. You can see this is just before he goes to the cross. He's talking about his soul trouble, being troubled. He's coming to the place where he realizes the time is short. His time's almost up, and he's about to suffer the price for sin, sickness, and disease, and everything else of the devil. So Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me. In other words, God didn't say this to help me, but for your sakes. Now notice what he says about his work coming up, the work of redemption on the cross. He said, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This said he, but signifying what death he should die. Now, folks, what I want you to understand is very simply this. The Bible says in Colossians 1.13 that Christ has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In other words, he's translated us into the kingdom of Jesus. What would the kingdom of Jesus be if not the kingdom of God? There's not separate kingdoms where God has one and Jesus has one, is there? Translated into the kingdom of God or placed into the kingdom of his dear son means we've been placed in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come. The Bible furthermore says in 1 John chapter 3 in the verse 8, the last part of the verse, it says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The word destroy means to dissolve. It means to loosen. It means to melt away. So what I want you to see is very simply that the Bible is telling us, Jesus himself told us, that just like Satan, when he rebelled against God with the third of the angels, lost his place in heaven. Therefore, there is no possibility for sin in heaven. There's no possibility for sickness in heaven. In the same way, Jesus, having literally paid the price for sin, sickness, disease, poverty, and every other work of the devil cast out the devil and his power and his influence for those who would accept Jesus' sacrifice as their own. Let me say it a different way. What the Bible is telling us in that Jesus destroyed, dissolved, loosened, and melted away the power of the devil, there is no greater possibility For you to be influenced or affected by the power of the devil concerning sickness and disease in heaven. Than there is for you to be affected by the power and the influence of the devil here on the earth concerning sickness and disease. If you use those principles of the kingdom of heaven. Are you out there? Do you hear what I'm saying? I didn't say do you accept it. But do you hear what I'm saying? I know it's hard to swallow because you haven't given it any thought. You haven't meditated on it. But the more I meditate on it, the more I see that just as God casts Satan out of heaven, he's cast Satan out of, influ- out of a place of influence in your life when you use the keys to the kingdom. In the name of Jesus... 
you have just as much right to be free from the power and the influence of sickness and disease here as you will have when you get to heaven and have your redeemed body. Because the same work of God has been done to cast the devil out of his place in heaven as has been done to cast him out of his place in your life here on the earth. Now there's one major difference. Satan has no access to heaven. He's here in the earth. But that does not mean that you should be or must be subject to any more of his power or his influence here on the earth because of the work of Jesus on the cross than you would be in heaven where he has no possibility to gain access. I hope I'm making this clear because I'm seeing some really good stuff here. The more I think on, the more I meditate on, the more I study on this keys to the kingdom thing, the more I see that Satan is a defeated foe. Even under the old covenant, Psalm 91 says, a thousand may fall at one side and 10,000 at the other side of me, but the work of the enemy won't come near me. If that was true under the old covenant, how much more true is it is now that the work of Jesus has been accomplished? Literally that Jesus has paid the price for sin, sickness, and disease so that you not be subject to or have to suffer it in your life. What I'm saying is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, that the kingdom is come, not that they would pray that the kingdom, that he told them to pray the kingdom would come, but not us. The kingdom has come so that the will of God can be in your life here on the earth just as it is in heaven. Now, how do we do that? How do we make that a reality? Very simply, Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. The power of sickness and disease has been destroyed, dissolved, loosened and melted away as far as you're concerned. It sounds too good to be true. But thank God it is true. Thank God it is true. We keep looking for something to be done about the devil. We keep looking for something to be done about our healing. And something's already been done about the devil. Jesus, through his sacrifice and through his suffering, paid the price. And did away with the devil's influence over you. If the devil was able to influence you. If he had power to determine how things were going to be for you. You could have never gotten saved. He couldn't stop that could he? Once you decided. We've all got a different salvation experience. Some of us received the first time we heard. Others of us heard many many times before we finally surrendered. Whatever the case is in your situation. When you finally decided. I'm going to accept what Jesus has done for me. There was nothing the devil could do to stop it. The exercise of your will determined your salvation. 
Well, healing is a part of salvation. It's part of the kingdom of God. When you determine as an act of your will that healing is yours because Jesus paid the price for it, just like he paid the price for the forgiveness of your sins, then there's nothing the devil can do to stop it. He can try to talk you out of it. But I'm sure he tried to tell you that you weren't saved even after you got saved, didn't he? Somewhere along the way, he tried to talk you out of what you had already received. So we're used to that. Doesn't mean we didn't receive it. He's just showing himself as being powerless to stop it. Satan has already been cast out. He's lost his power and his influence over you and over your body. He has no more power to influence your flesh and blood body with sickness and disease than he has power to put sickness and disease on your redeemed body when you get to heaven. Let that sink in and hit home. When it does, well, we'll really be something then. You know what we'll be? We'll be what Jesus has already made us to be. Let's just lift our hands and worship God for a little bit. Oh, Father, thank you that the prince of this world has been cast out, that the kingdom of God has come, that we're free from the power of sickness. We're free from the influence of the devil in every respect. Sickness, we command you to go from our bodies in the name of Jesus. We declare that healing is ours because Jesus paid the price for it on the cross and in the heart of the earth. Thank you, Father, that we're free from the power and the influence of sickness in Jesus' precious name. Just like, Jesus, just like Satan lost his place in heaven, he's lost his place in my life and in my body. In the name of Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, that it's true. Thank you, Lord, that we've entered into the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord, that we've entered into the kingdom of healing from every sickness and every disease. We are free from the power and the influence of the devil in every respect. Spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. 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 Father, your word says that the kingdom of God doesn't come with outward show or observation. But the kingdom of God is within us. Thank you, Father, that by the authority of our lips, our words, in the name of Jesus, by whom we have access into this kingdom, that spiritual truth will become a physical reality. In the name of Jesus, healing is ours. Satan's power has been broken. It's not going to be broken. It has been broken. It has been broken. Just as Jesus cursed the fig tree and by the next morning that was dried up from the roots, we curse sickness and disease and command it to dry up from the roots. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Say it with me. I'm free from all the work of the devil. I'm free 
from sickness and disease. Because the kingdom of God has come. And it is within me. Therefore, the power and the influence of the devil has been broken over my flesh and bone body. Just as it has been broken in heaven for those who have redeemed bodies. Father, we pray for divine revelation. Open our eyes to see this to be true. Because when we see it to be true, the devil's really in a fix. Hallelujah. 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 Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we realize what Jesus has done for us and the reality that we've been translated or placed into the kingdom of God now, the devil is sunk. No wonder he tries to keep us in the dark and blind people's minds to this. But Jesus realized what it was. He realized the importance of his work. He realized what it means when he said the prince of this world shall be cast out, which he was when Jesus finished the work on the cross. He knew exactly what that meant. No wonder Jesus appeared to his disciples with joy and said, all hail. No wonder he said to them with joy, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And these signs will follow them that believe in my name. This is the gospel of the kingdom that Paul said he wasn't ashamed of. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, that would have to be the gospel of the kingdom of God, wouldn't it? He said, for it, the words, that the kingdom of God has come. And God has made a way for his will to be done in your life here on the earth, just like it is in heaven. Paul said, that gospel is the power of God to save, to save, to heal to deliver, to make sound and to make whole. Hallelujah. The work's been done. It's been done. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Well, say it with me. I'm free from the power of the devil. By the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. Well, we'll let you go and eat your ice cream. Thanks for being with us. We love you. You're dismissed.